The first thing that came up for me is that I'm the only person that I can count on. So if I have a dream that was placed into my heart or a vision that I just can't get out of my head, then if it's to be, it's up to me. So I never saw an example and sometimes people can use that as an excuse, but because I never saw an example, to me it was all the more reason to do it. And when people didn't get it or questioned it, ridiculed it, made fun of it, I would often just laugh back. So I was like, oh, they just don't understand. They don't get it. And they're not supposed to because it wasn't placed in their heart or their mind or for whatever reason placed on their journey to pursue. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and a paper and get ready to learn. Welcome to the show, Blair. I'm excited to have this time with you, get to know you better, hear more about your story. And I'm sure you have tons and tons of tips and amazing things for our audience to dive into. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So I normally ask people this one question before we even dive in. How would you describe yourself? How would I describe myself? I feel like I'm so go with the flow, easy, fun, playful, and also love to get shit done. Like very (laughs) to the point structured in system. So I'm the whole spectrum. Mm. So good. So I had the pleasure of having your husband on the show earlier today. So I'm not sure of the order of these episodes, but he is Garen, Garen Jones. And he, I asked him the same question and I kind of also kicked it off by saying, you know, speaker, author, teacher, all the things. And then he jumped in, he said, world's most amazing dad, you know, all these beautiful traits as well. So I'm curious to know from like a work perspective, what would you describe your passion as? Who are you? What do you do in the world? So I'm an entrepreneur and I started 10 years ago as an entrepreneur. Uh, my, my favorite is network marketing. So I have a huge passion for it. And so I like to always go, Oh, I know Blair. I love Blair and she's in network marketing. So it must not be so weird. Uh, I'm extremely passionate about health and fitness. So I'm have supported women across the world with their, uh, nutrition, their wellness and specifically myself. So that's how I got into the industry. And then I'm also a sister, a daughter, a mother of one for now, and looking to be a mother again sometime in the near future. Oh, beautiful. So, so much to dive into. I'd love to know a little bit more specifically around the health and wellness piece, because I'm sure there's a huge backstory with that. How did you get into the world of entrepreneurship and what has your journey been leading you to this place today? Yeah. So, I mean, I come, I'm from a teeny tiny town in Minnesota. So my parents were really blue collar, uh, growing up, you go to, you have a nine to five job and you have two weeks off a year. And my parents always said, you you know, you have a good job if your job offers insurance. So in my upbringing, that's what I always thought. I was like, Oh my gosh, if you have insurance, you must have big job security. Uh, so again, grew up on a farm. So meat and potatoes, no one ever talked about nutrition And, uh, I found myself after college, 40 pounds overweight. I had no idea how to take care of my body. I was 23 years old and I was the unhealthiest I had ever been. I was so tired and I literally looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself. And it was the first time that I had taken hundred percent accountability. Like this is where I got myself and this is how I can get myself out. And so that's when I started to just educate myself on nutrition. What did that mean? What did that look like? And it was the first time I heard someone say that you can't outwork a bad diet because I was working out all of the time. And so I just went down this whole rabbit hole of like, how do women fuel their body through nutrition? How much protein does the average woman need? What does it look like to have nutrition pre and post workout? What does it mean to even feel your body? And as I started educating myself and I lost 40 pounds and my skin cleared up and uh, I felt amazing, the confidence started to exude myself. 
the women were flooding in like, what are you doing? How are you doing this? How do you look that way? What did you do? And I realized how many people specifically where I come from in the Midwest were also so extremely uneducated about health and nutrition, about wellness altogether. And I just started sharing exactly what I was learning. I wasn't an expert by any means, but I felt like I knew I could do it with myself and they felt confident because it was someone that they knew, loved, and trusted that were getting these results and that I wasn't this extreme, like I said, expert that had all these degrees. But I go, man, this is maybe how you read a nutrition label. Here's what your plate could look like. Here are some better alternatives instead of white bread or white pasta or noodles. And just these easy conventional swaps that they could do that were just making such a difference. And from there, I learned that I could create a career out of it. And just turned my curiosity into a passion, into a profession. Wow. And how many years ago was that when you got started? That was 10 years ago. So I was 24 when I started and I'm 34 now. Wow. And so I'd love to know for people listening, maybe they find themselves in the same place that you were in 40 pounds overweight, not really sure about what steps to take. I know it sounds it sounds silly that we're still having this conversation in a sense, because, you know, we know what's good for us and what's not, at least a lot of people do. And yet we're not taking the action or we're not slowing down to make different choices. What are some of the steps that people can take if they find themselves in that sort of place of an uphill battle where it feels like they've been overweight or they've had this struggle for a long time? What are some of the initial steps? I feel like there's no lack of information. I feel like sometimes especially in today's world, we sometimes have too much information. Sometimes I feel like everything is contradicting. So it's like, do this, don't do that. Eat this. No, you can't have that. So it can also be paralyzing or overwhelming or what do I listen to or who do I listen to? Because there's so many avenues. And so personally for myself, I just had to pick one and I had to go, I'm going to try this one. And even though there's going to be a thousand other things that people are going to say, let me try this one. So for me, it was, how do I feel myself with enough protein? What does protein look like for me? What does it mean to eat three times a day? What does it look like to eat clean? What does eating clean even mean? So it was just simple adjustments that it was like, oh, I have eggs for breakfast instead of oatmeal. Uh, I have a chicken salad for lunch instead of chicken pasta, that I have um, a protein and vegetables for dinner instead of pizza. So it was small tweaks along the way, and I would just educate myself, and I would pay really close attention to how I felt because before I had no idea if if I would feel bloated because I was just always bloated. I would have no idea if things gave me some type of reaction like I was gassy because I was just always gassy. So once I started to realize that maybe gluten isn't always the best option for me versus going totally gluten-free, I would just be aware when I ate it or not. But again, I would just take little steps of educating myself like, what's a good source of protein? What's a crappy source of protein? Uh, when's a good, you know, when to stop eating. So my, one of my philosophies is I just don't eat two hours before bed. So if I go to bed at 10 o'clock, I start, stop eating by eight o'clock. And for lots of times I try to stop eating for me by seven o'clock, which gives me enough time to digest. So then my body can just rest. Mm, Love that. And when it comes to your why, for a lot of people, it's initially that weight loss and wanting to look good or fit into the clothes. Do you think that's enough of a why or do you have to find a deeper why for this to be like a true lifestyle change and sustainable? I think it's so individualized. I think it's so for your what what you want to do. Like what is your reason? Uh, for me, it was I feel when I feel healthy, that's when I feel the most confident. And when I feel the most confident, that's when I'm always bringing my best self into the world. And so for me, when I have three things I do every single day, one is I, I go for a walk every single day. I work out every single day. So I work out seven days a week, whether it's that I'm working out for 30 minutes in the gym or that I go for, a 
an extra hike that day. It's some type of moving my body. And then the last one is, is I sit down and I have breakfast at the table. So if I can do those three things every single day, whether I have to get up three, four hours earlier than everybody else, if I can do those three things every single day, I feel so good walking into my day. And those things just happen to pour into maintaining a healthy, active lifestyle, feeling confident in my own skin. But then it's like when people are like, have a morning routine or, um, you know, being your best self or you're the, the highest version of yourself. I was like, I don't know what any of that meant. But I was like, this is what sets me up for success every single day. This is how I can bring the best player forward. And so my question for you is what, what are the three, what are the one thing, the two thing, the three things that you can commit to that you can do for yourself every day that would support you in feeling the best, your best self. And again, I have a one and a half year old. So sometimes that looks like getting up at 5 a.m before she does. That looks like that, you know, maybe I have a nanny literally come in for one hour a day so I can go for a walk and I can sit down and have breakfast and that's her only job. Or it's communicating with my husband so he can work at home during nap time so I can go for a walk. But they're just non-negotiables in my life, which again, Mm. lead into creating whatever it is that for my why. Yeah. And why is sitting down at the table important? So I feel like it's my only pause before the day really begins. And okay, there's something about eating at the kitchen table for me that is so much a sense of home. It's like the one time I just get to be with myself before the rest of the world gets me. And I get to be present mm. to what I'm doing. And I get to be present with myself. So I I don't have my phone. I, I am not working. Like I am sitting and I'm eating. My favorite is when I'm sitting and having a meal with somebody else. But for the majority of the time, my husband's somewhere, you know, the kid's sleeping or she's somewhere. And then, you know, it's that, it's that, it's that 15 minutes of making eggs, sitting down, having hot lemon water, eating my breakfast. So I feel like so much of specific, I'll speak for I, my life is just constantly on the go. So it's like, Hey, can you hit a pause for a second for 20 minutes just to have a breakfast? And sometimes, like I said, that's getting up two hours before everybody else is so I can have that time. But that's my commitment to myself. Yeah. No, I love how you put that, your commitment to yourself. And I think so often it's interesting because I've been having a lot of conversations with people on the show about discipline and that word has such a negative connotation for many people. And I heard it described recently that you're actually a disciple of something when you are disciplined. And I think that's so beautiful and it shifts everything. And I think it's hard sometimes for people to understand, like, how can I be kind to myself, but also have discipline around something and like have a commitment to myself? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it can be so confusing. And I mean, for me, one of the key things that I think about is, you know, kindness to myself is often holding the, upholding those commitments is often being disciplined enough to follow through or to study something or go to the next level. And, but oftentimes we think holding ourselves to something is not loving. So I think a lot of people have to kind of make that shift in their mind. 100%. Absolutely. I, I, agree with you a hundred. And in terms of entrepreneurship in general, I'm from the Midwest as well. I'm from Ohio. I grew up with entrepreneurs all around me though. So my mindset was a little bit different and my dad was in a very high risk business. My grandpa's same thing. Um, so that was normal to me. And I'm curious to know, coming from the space that you came from with, you know, the, the thoughts around what is, what safety is insurance, 401k job security, what mindset blocks did you have to overcome in order to really thrive as an entrepreneur? The first thing that came up for me is that I'm the only person that I can count on. So if I have a dream that was placed into my heart or a vision that I just can't get out of my head, then if it's to be, it's up to me. So I never saw an example. And sometimes people can use that as an excuse. But because I never saw an example, to me, it was all the more reason to do it. And when people didn't get it or questioned it, ridiculed it, made fun of it, I would often just laugh back because I was like, oh, they just don't understand. 
they don't get it. And they're not supposed to because it wasn't placed in their heart or their mind or for whatever reason placed on their journey to pursue. And I really oftentimes, for the most part, never took it personal because uh, I just, it was such a belief. I was like, well, why would they understand? They work a nine to five for the last 30 years. Why would they think that this is safe? I'm doing something that's with that comes with so much uncertainty. And they, yeah. Tony Robbins talks about it all, all the time. It's like the level of success often depends upon the level of which uncertainty one can handle. And for me, I was just potentially blessed with or willing to allow an incredible amount of uncertainty in my life when pursuing something that I wanted to do. Now, some people can't handle that. They're like, I can't handle not knowing how much I'm going to make. I can't handle not knowing where I'm not going to be in a year. I can't handle not knowing how this is going to pan out or when my next paycheck is going to come, which is no problem. I think that's just a conversation you get to have within yourself of what am I willing to do and what am I not willing to do? And I just, like you said, high risk. I was willing to take a high level risk on myself, which just happened to have a high level of reward on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And were you met with, like you said, there were some people who didn't understand it. Was it challenging for you within your personal relationships as you started to go down a different path? 100%. And it came back to that. I mean, I made non-negotiables with myself. Like I had flat out to my family, like I, I legitimately can't afford time. And I literally couldn't afford, didn't have money. For three years, I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it home for Christmas, for birthdays, for holidays, for weddings, for summer, because it's going to take all of my willpower. I was 24 at the time. It's going to take all of my willpower, all of my time, all of my money, anything that I have in order to get this started up. And that came with a massive level of resistance, specifically with my sister, because my my older sister raised me from my, my whole life. I think she's my mother in every lifetime with this one. And I missed baby showers and I missed uh, baptisms. And that was hard for her. And that was also hard for me because I feel like I was letting down the one person that loved me my whole life. However, I just kept coming back to one day they're going to understand. One day that they're going to see what you can see. One day they're going to get it. And full circle, five years later, they call me and say, thank you for never listening. Thank you for for." leading and showing us afterward. Again, people just couldn't see it and they didn't understand. And so again, was it was it hard in the moment? Yes. But really going inside, I was like, I know this is going to work. And so although it sucks right now, it's going to pan out. I just have to keep going. And it was also a lot of motivation of why I wanted it to work because I was like, it has to work. I'm, I'm, I put everything into this and one day I want to call them and said, I may have missed this birthday party. I may have missed my niece's third birthday to never miss a birthday party for the rest of her life. So I'm sorry I missed the one and please let me forgive or please let me make it up to you by never missing another one ever. Hmm, So beautiful. Yeah. I resonate with that a lot. I moved to England, uh, when I was 24 and no one in my family from Ohio had ever really left (laughs) the country. Um, and so I was the weird one and kind of the black sheep in that sense. And my parents were supportive, but I know it was really challenging for them to see me miss everything. And, you know, even now living in Austin and them in Ohio, I do still miss so many of the family things. And, there can be like an element of heaviness and guilt to that. But like you said, you remind yourself of why you're doing what you're doing. And there's a lot of benefits as well. My parents have gotten to travel to some amazing places and they obviously want to see me happy. But I think so often we are sucked into what's expected of us, the guilt guilt trips and all those things. And I'm not sure if you resonate with this, but I definitely do. Ed Milet talks about how there oftentimes there is like the one person in the family that does something different and that breaks the mold for everyone else. And they do come around and say, thank you. And you show me what's possible. Have you experienced that in your life? Yes, absolutely. So I was a black sheep and I feel like maybe a lot of people in your audience could also resonate if they're here listening. Uh, and I knew it and I took a lot of like pride in being the black sheep because I saw, I saw what my future could potentially be if I joined the rest of the crowd. And my whole thing is like, whatever the 99% is doing, 
I would love to do the opposite. And that comes with <laughs> um, confusion, questions, resistance, uh, comments. And so did I experience that 100% specifically from my mom? Uh, she was so embarrassed that I had joined a network marketing company. She was was concerned that this was going to end really, really badly. And so many times I would just think to myself, I go, it's only because she loves me. She cares because she loves me. She's confused because she doesn't understand. She's concerned that this is going to end poorly because she loves me. And so I just had to remind myself that what I may have experienced as resistance, confusion, criticism, uh, backlash, was only out of her fear because she loved me so much. Because if I would have had something conventional, that would have felt better in her nervous system. Because it's there's a level of certainty that comes with a being a nurse or a teacher or insert the blank. Because you have job security, you there's job opportunity and there's insurance and there's benefits. And when you come with something called an entrepreneur and you are the one writing the script. There's a lot of questions there. And I have to remember that my mom was unwilling to take that risk. And so therefore, she just, again, didn't understand. And I had a lot, a lot of compassion for her. And now, fast forward, uh, four years ago, I was fortunate enough to create such an abundance that I got to retire my mom. And so therefore, instead of her waiting until she was 67 to retire from her nursing job, I got to go, okay, mom, this is how much you make a month. I'm going to replace that so you don't have to wait seven more years until you have to stop working. And she's now more active than ever. They travel more than ever. They get to come here to visit us more than ever. And again, every month when she gets a paycheck, I get a thank you saying, thank you so much. My life is so different because you chose different and didn't ever want or intend for that that response from her. However, that was just the blessing and that I got to do by going against the 99%. Wow. That's incredible. And I know your husband, I just interviewed him, like I said, and he shared the same thing about his own mother and being able to retire her. So I know that, you know, alarm bells in a good way are going off for people listening to this and they want to know how in the world you were able to create that much abundance in your life. So can you talk a little bit more about some of the steps that you took? Obviously you started this business, you have the network marketing piece. What were some of the key steps that led to you creating so much abundance and wealth? It was so much in my mindset. Like it was so much listening to podcasts like this following people like my husband. Uh, I read so many books, like The Ten Distinctions Between the Middle Class and Millionaires, um, Tim Ferriss. I would read so many things because I wanted to get into the mindset of people that were further down the journey than I was. I, funny enough, I had found ten, Ed Milet 10 years ago, and I just would listen wow. to motivational videos that he had on YouTube when I was getting ready and I would just get into this mindset of what it had to take because I wasn't surrounded by people who were thinking like me, who were working like me, who were creating goals like I was because I was surrounded by the 99%. So the first one was, is how do I get my mindset in a different stratosphere than everybody else? And generally there were people who weren't even in my, anywhere in my proximity. So now, again, fortunate enough to have things like YouTube and social media and to go to conventions that are retreat specifically around creating a new mindset and the power of manifestation. You know, I think I listen to The Secret every single day. And so I really just believed in all of these things and I went all in because the alternative was what? Joining the mainstream, which I was so unwilling to do because I saw how that was panning out for everybody else. And I was like, no way. I, I just, I'm 24. There's no way that this is how my life is going to look for the next 40 years. I don't, I'm not going to make it. So I had to, in my own world, go, I have to do something different because I just am unwilling to follow that crowd. Mm. I love the piece where you said you went all in. 
And I think that's so key because how many people, I've even heard this from colleagues, they're like, oh, I'm just going to test it out. I'm just going to dip my toe in the water, essentially, is what they're saying. And, you know, you're not going to get where you want to go by like half-assing it. You're just not, especially with what's required to make such a big change and transform your mindset and put yourself out there and all the steps. Um, so I think that's so key and your mind comes first. Like when you go all in, in your mind, then your actions are going to follow. And I can see that that's what you did. I mean, it was total submersion. You know, it's like when I was in my car, I was listening to things. When I was going for a walk, I was listening to an audiobook. When I was working out, I was listening to an audiobook. When I was at home, I was watching the secret. So it was just like all the time. Cause I had to flood. I had to retrain 24 years of my brain thinking and being one way and to, literally self-educate myself of a whole new way of operating. So that, I was like, how do you go all in? It's just, for me, it was submersion. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're, you and your husband are both in the wellness and personal development space and everyone knows James and I also are. How do you manage that? Because that's a lot. (laughs) I'm just laughing because it's a lot. Like you're always, you you know, this is your whole world and you're always on the growth track, always up leveling, always listening to podcasts, reading all the things. And I'm making it sound really exhausting. Sometimes it can be, but most of the time it's amazing. But how do you manage that? Like, do you ever have issues with the fact that it is so all encompassing and it's there all the time. And sometimes you just want to, you just want to like do nothing. I'm just curious to know about that dynamic. Yes. I, and also when you're in a house with someone who's the same way, uh, in the beginning of our marriage, it was a huge sticking point because we were just, we were always on and it was, and then when I wasn't on, like I was tired or I wanted to take a break, then I would get FOMO because he was on. And then I would just, pull myself out and I would just be like, I need to create something. I need to build something. I'm going to learn something new. Like it was this never ending fast track. And so points of pause are things like sitting down and eating at the table and just being there, whether it's by myself or just being there. And then points of pause now are, you know, well, we, we, in our house, I specifically really just love mindless TV. So, which is so against what everybody else said, but for me, it's the only actual time I can shut off my brain where it's like, and we watch, I watch things like Ted Lasso or (laughs) we watch a documentary or just something so simple. That's easy on my mind that I don't really have to think about or Harry Potter. And it's not every day. It's not often, but it's just sometimes where it's just like, I need, it's, five o'clock. I've been going hard into the paint since 5 a.m. You know, I have to fire myself for a second because that's the other, that's the other side of the coin of entrepreneurs is like, because there's no quote unquote structure, there's no, you're your own boss. It's a never ending game. So it's like, I need to make the rules of the game. And so I have to be clear with myself of what are the rules of my game? And so it's like, Wednesdays at four o'clock from four o'clock till eight o'clock is family time. No exceptions. There's no phone. There's no working. We're not on podcasts. We're not creating podcasts. We're not creating content. And every Wednesday from four to eight, that's our time. But to do things like that was not easy because it's like, oh, if I'm 10 minutes late, he's not going to notice. Oh, I'm just going to finish this one project. Oh, I'm just going to send one more. But that's the game that never ends. So until we put in rules or our own structure in it, then I feel like sometimes we can succumb to it because now I am powerless because it's like I'm serving this addiction I have of mine of learning, of growing, of creating, of giving, of doing versus like, no, no, no. I'm the one that's in charge of this game. But If I'm in charge, I have to know the rules that I'm playing in the own game that I created. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And in terms of your dynamic, so ours, mine and James is a little bit different from what I perceive yours is in that he doesn't actually have his own business and doesn't want to. He is a coach within other companies. 
And, but how do you guys navigate the fact that, you know, you ultimately, from what I'm seeing, have two businesses, maybe more with network marketing and the health and wellness side of things. Garen has a lot going on. Like, how do you guys navigate both of you wanting to have big, like both of you having big dreams and, and going for so many different things? Yes. So this is part of creating the rules of the game, not only for myself, but then we have, I have a game called Blair and then I have a game called my marriage. And so it's like, it's interesting. I game as in, we understand how we're going to navigate in both of them individually and simultaneously with each other. So we have things that we put in place every year. So every year, Garen and I go on a vision moon and so it's three days, just him and I, and we get really clear. We, we go every November and we plan out the entire fall, come upcoming year. And we pick our word for the year. We pick our word for the, our year for our marriage. Uh, we book any vacations that we're going to have. So it's set in stone. So if Garen and I are going to travel together, we on that weekend, we buy the tickets, we book the resort, we pay the, buy the flights. So nothing can ever get in the way of our time throughout the whole year with each other. Uh, once a week, we do something called a love meeting. It's a 45 meeting minute meeting, just him and I, where we go through our upcoming week. We go through our schedule. We ask what one another needs support with. We talk about our sex life. We talk about our date night. Um, we talk about, you know, is there anything left unsaid? Is there, is there any tension? We work through that. And then we always end with acknowledgments for ourselves of what we're proud of ourselves for. And then we acknowledge each other. Because what we realize is, is when we miss those meetings, so much, so many things have lifetimes happen in a week. If you miss one week, you're a lifetime apart. And so for us, it's our constant where we come together and we come together and then that's every Sunday and then every Wednesday is family time where we sit and it's us and our daughter and we make dinner and we hang out at the house and we just be together. And then I feel like that brings us back to our humanness of like being parents and the mundane things that you do around the house. And then also for an opportunity to just connect about what's going on in the, in the week. Again, so much happens separately in our individual lives that, if we don't, you know, our Garen and I say often, it's like, how do you have time if you never take it? And so it's like, we have to go take time in order to have time with each other and our family. And again, these are just pillars that we've created for us that work for us. When you're pay, playing a big game in the world or playing a different game than many, that it's like these can't be negotiables. They're non-negotiables. Others, we're going to lose ourselves and our marriage in the process, which we are completely unwilling to do. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I love the Sunday practice. I'm going to implement that. It's amazing. Was So I remember reading that Garen said he came up with 62 traits, aspects of the person he was looking to marry. Was he the person you were looking for? Uh, unknowingly, yes. Um, I, I always felt like, and the, I love my mother. She's so great. And I remember my one time, one time my mom saying, she goes, I think you need to lower your standards if you want to get married. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, you just, you're a high achiever. You, you do a lot of things. You're really busy. You, you, you create a lot, like you're a, you're a big personality. And I was like, okay. And again, she's like, I, and in her world, she had just goes, I don't know if there's anyone out there like her. And it really like stuck mm -hmm. in my brain. Like I'm too big. I'm too much. My dreams are too big. My goals are too big. I have too big of, an, of a vision. Uh, no one's going to want to marry someone like me. And then I met Garen and I met Garen and I remember thinking out, and I didn't know it was Garen at the time, but I remember saying to him, I was like, I f like, thank you for being my friend because I finally realized like you're the type of person that I want to marry someday. And he's like, well, what's that? And I was like, you're unapologetic about your dreams. You're unapologetic who you are. You dream big. You talk about it. You're exuberant with yourself. You know exactly who you are. You travel the world. 
you make a lot of money and you, you don't feel bad about it and it's fun for you. And so then he goes, so you want to marry someone like me? And I was like, no, I think I want to date you. And then he's, uh, he's like, what'd you say? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I just said. Like it came out of my mouth because I just, I didn't realize because I had never seen it before. And he was the first time that I saw in physical form. I was like, I'm not a unicorn. I'm not the only one out here like this. I'm not the only one doing this. I'm not the only one that thinks this way or talks this way or has these goals. Like I'm not weird. And then I found him and then it just happened to work out that we got to get married and have a family. But yeah. I love that. And how long after did you have your daughter? We got married in October of 2019 and Soul was born in October of 2021. Okay. So a couple years. Mm -hmm. How did that, did that change your dynamic? What were the transformations that came to your relationship because of having a child? Uh, I would say that it has, I think, really put us in a beautiful position of polarity. He has really stepped into his masculine and I have really embodied the feminine uh, in the most beautiful way. I think before we were two quarterbacks living in the same house, trying to play for the same team and fighting for the number one spot. And after becoming a uh, mom and dad together, I think we really embraced the beauty of the masculine household and the, the beautiful divine feminine in the household. And it has created so much more ease in our relationship. And we also put a lot of work in knowing that the statistics say that the first year of having a child in a marriage is generally the hardest year of your marriage. So we just took the statistics and we love creating new ones and just realizing using the information that's out there and going, how do we best prepare ourselves? And we did a lot of work before, while we were pregnant to put ourselves in a position to win. Like, what does he get to grow into? What do I need to soften into? What am I willing to surrender? What is he willing to take forth? What am I willing to release? Or what am I willing to take on? And we got really, really, really clear in how we were going to operate as parents and as entrepreneurs in one household who have big dreams, goals, and visions. And it was, and to me, I think it brought us closer because it really encouraged us to have lots of conversations and in-depth conversations of like, who's the primary caregiver? Who, what does this look like when you have to travel and I have to travel? What do we do? What does this look like? You know, what are we willing to mm -hmm. sacrifice and what are we unwilling to sacrifice? And so it really put us, a, in my opinion, a position to really get clear on our path versus feeling like my life is over because I had a kid. And I was like, which I never understood why people said that because I was like, well, then why would you, why would you ever have a kid? And they're like, oh, but it's so worth it. And I was like, doesn't sound like it. But, and so again, like I wanted to rewrite so many of the narratives that I heard people say when they became parents and we were committed to doing that. Yeah, I agree completely. And I'm a little bit newer than you. My daughter's only four months. But I remember one of my colleagues, she told me that her daughter fit into their life, not the other way around. And of course, there are things that you might transform, but you do that because you want to. And they just have such an amazing relationship with their daughter. And I just so admired that. So that's the way I was thinking about it. I wasn't thinking like, oh, my life is going to end when she comes or everything's going to change or we're never going to be able to travel again or the business is going to have to stop. I feel like people put, there's such a heaviness on it and we've tried to approach it in the complete opposite. And we're really blessed because our daughter has been sleeping through the night since she was eight weeks old. I know not everyone has that. Um, and so I've had like a dream baby in that sense, but I do feel like your attitude and your approach to parenting is going to have an effect on the entire situation. And so like you, you, like you said, changing that statistic, looking at it in a different way, Appro approaching it with the perspective of, um, you know, the people you admire who, who has a beautiful relationship with their kids, who has a parenting style that, uh, resonates with what you want to have. And then starting to do things in that way versus what society tells us has to be the, the way to do it or the outcome. For sure. I 
agree with all of that. Yes. And I know that there are, like you said, you use the word sacrifices. There are changes that people make once a child comes into their life because they want to and because, you know, it's, it's a new chapter and a new reality. What changes have you decided to make from the perspective of business owner uh, because of baby soul, if any? I, I think I find so much more enjoyment in working now versus feeling like I was always pushing and striving and pulling the needle forward. I think I just take a different approach as like, I, how do I create so much flow and ease in my life? I'm so committed to that because I want to be able to have so much energy and bandwidth for all areas of my life, being a wife and a mom and running businesses and so to me, it's like, how, what am I willing to do to restructure my business or how I operate in business to feel that sense of ease? How do I need to structure my day? What type of support do I need in my life? What do I need to personally function? Uh, what people do I want to work with? What people do I not want to work with? What projects am I willing to take on? And so now I just have made sure that the projects that I say yes to that I am genuinely really excited about and or I create and start projects that I'm like yes this is a full body yes I can do this because I know the energy and effort that it's going to take to cultivate it and so if I have this excitement and joy versus this have to and prove it energy it's a totally different experience in the flow of of working because I'm so committed to I like working. I actually love working. It brings me a lot of enjoyment. Some people paint and I like to build businesses. And so I think it was how do I bring that feminine energy into creation like that? That is a masculine field called business building. Because so much of the feminine is so powerful and creative and flow and uh, cultivating and culture within a business setting but I'm in a masculine genre, right? Business, it's money, penetrating, pushing. So it's just, again, how am I, what am I bringing to the project versus what am I unwilling to do anymore? Yeah. And when it comes to multiple things, so I know that there are a lot of stereotypes around network marketing, and I've actually just started to get into that, so I'm really interested in your answer. How do you view network marketing that's different to the rest of the world? And the second question, second part of this is, how have you been able to manage multiple businesses? Do they fit together? Are they completely separate? I'd love to understand more. Yes. So the health and wellness is the network marketing business. Um, and to me, I feel like it's, it, network marketing gives the average person an extraordinary opportunity, regardless of your background, where you came from, your education, it's, and it gives them zero glass ceiling. So there's no minimum or maximum that you can make. There is no end game. You can go as far as you want to go. You can go as long as you want to go. So again, for somebody who comes from, you know, in Minnesota, I think the average household income is like 70,000 a year where I'm from. So to be able to make triple that, quadruple that is like, wow, that's out there. And if for some people who want to do that and create that abundance, then you have an opportunity to do that. So I think for me, network marketing um, has been a way in which to just be an invitation for people who might not know where to go or what to do uh, when they want to become an, an entrepreneur. So in the book, The Ten Distinctions Between Millionaires and Middle Class, uh, the, I think it's a statistic of like 90% of millionaires uh, had some type of residual income that passive income that created their millions. And so that is exactly what network marketing is. It's passive income, it's residual income. And again, 
being a female, 75% of um, millionaires that are in network marketing are women. And so I was like, this is my field. I'm going for it. And I I never knew any type of stigma before because I didn't ever know what it was. Uh, and it's also like I... I, I, I don't think that I'm weird. I don't think that I'm like this crazy call, you know, your weird uncle that you don't want to sit next to at, um, at Christmas time. It's just like, this is what I use. This is what I've, what I've done to create and feel the best in myself. Uh, this is how I did it. And I just share it with other women who are looking for the exact same thing. And so I think in any industry, people are not good at their job. So in any industry, whether it's network marketing, an athletic trainer, a hairstylist, you're always going to find a sleazy one, a not good one. So it's like if you want to find crappy ones, you'll find it in any industry, doctors. And so then you'll also find great ones too. And so it's just what do you want to do? What are you interested in? And yeah, what's in it for you? Thank you for explaining that. What is something that you're still working through or that you're still challenged by? Mm, 100% owning my worthiness of what's what I want to create in the world, that I can do it. The, I think the undermining, the achiever in me just never stops. And so it's it's the blessing and the curse. So it's, I always create these things that I want to achieve that I want to do. And it's hard to ever stop that thing or to know when it's okay to rest. So it's like, Mm -hmm. Blair, you made it to the top of your mountain and it's like, but there's so much more. There's so much more. You're not done yet. And that can get hard sometimes to just go, Hey, like what you made it all the way to the top of this mountain. Why don't we just look around for a little bit? And the worthiness inside of me goes, you worked so hard to get here, you can't stop. And so I have this hard balance of going, all this that I've created and this life that I live and this amazing person that I'm married to and this beautiful family and this, all these material things that we've acquired along the way, I'm so blessed. And sometimes the achiever in me doesn't let me stop to appreciate it because it's there's this fear gremlin that's like if you stop it's all going to go away one day because I've worked so hard to get here so it's like this this toggle between the two um of knowing that it's okay and and how hard to keep going and for how long yeah I resonate with that definitely how long did it take to reach that mountaintop for you, at least that first one? Uh, From zero to, it took me about seven years. So the first mountain was about seven years in. Like this was the exact income that I wrote down. This was the, what I wanted to, like this, I wrote it all down and I actually had literally like quadrupled it. And I was like, wow, like I didn't just hit the mountain. I hit three mountains above it. And yeah, I, I, you can ask a lot of my, I'll walk around my house often and just cry. Cause I'm just like in so much gratitude. Like I can't believe I did it, but I always knew I could do it. So it's this like surreal and reality meet each other. And they're like, what, this is so crazy. And so, um, I often cry in gratitude cause it's so surreal yet it, I'm living it. So, um, I, 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 we call our house the house of gratitude, uh, cause we are so grateful for it. And we also want everyone that comes in here to experience, it's not ours to have, it's ours to share. And so we, we always want to share what we've created. Um, cause it's not, we're not going to be able to keep it when we leave this, you know, we're in a monopoly game. I'm going to pass go as many times as yeah. I can while I'm here. And when I'm gone, give it all away to either our family or somebody, but it's, can't come with me. Yeah. So beautiful. So I know you have some exciting things going on coming up over the coming months. Uh, What are those things and where can people find you if they want to learn more? Yes. So I'm so excited. Uh, My best friend and I, her name is Carly Brown. We are hosting our first ever 
sacred self-care retreat. We are hosting the retreat right here in Texas, and it's in the Texas Hill Country right outside of Austin. And it's a women's retreat, and it's, again, all around self-care. So uh, the VIP day is all around biohacking for women, ways to just give you different tools and modalities to support your mind, body, soul. Uh, The first day of the retreat is all about releasing anything that doesn't serve, that's getting in the way. The second day is all about cultivating what you want to call in. And then the third day is embodying. There's singing, there's dancing, there's yoga. There's going to be workouts. We're going to learn how to juice, uh, juicing specifically for what you want to do, whether it's lose weight or digestion. Uh, We're going to have organic food and a special chef to come nourish your soul and just specialized practices that you can take home with you to continue your self-care practices, like I said, and find what it is for you and give you that space, the luxurious space to be with yourself, to try on different ways to figure out what nourishes your soul and to be around other women that are there to cultivate the same thing. And so um, I'm really excited to do this with Carly. She has an incredible story. Uh, She's also the founder of Alchemy Organic Juice right here in Austin. Uh, And she just has an incredible story and I'm so excited to partner with her. We both have such a passion for wellness Again, mind, body, spirit, and so much play. So we cannot wait. Okay, where can you find it? Uh, you can follow us both on Instagram. So Carly Brown is Carly Loves Kale, and mine is Blair.Rachel.Jones. And then I'll also share with you in the show notes if you want to uh, the link for people to check out the Sacred Self Care website to see if they're interested in September to join us. That's so awesome. Thank you. So final question I ask all my guests, what is one way that people can create a life that's better than their dreams that far exceeds their wildest expectations? Get around people who expand your mind, that think differently, that live differently, that are interested in different things, whether they're people in person or it's people just like this that that you bring on your show, just to think differently and to be curious about it. How did they cultivate that? How did they think that way? How did they create that? How did they build that? My number one thing is how curious can you be about something that you are just so unaware of yet allow yourself to be curious to follow the breadcrumbs to see what's possible for you too. That's such a through line of this conversation because so much of your recipe for success is first asking yourself those powerful questions and being brave enough to answer them, explore them, and then take the action based on those answers. Mm -hmm. So good. Thank you so much for your time and for all the work that you do in the world. Everyone definitely look at her link in the show notes, check out the retreat, check out everything she's doing on Instagram. Super inspirational and just, um, yeah, thank you for being you. Really appreciate you. Thank you, my love. So appreciative being here. Thank you. I love working with driven women to help them reach their next level of success and to become more of who they were designed and destined to be. So if you are looking for support in my private coaching practice in business, life, with your money, your mindset, your health, your relationships, all of the above, go to emilywilliams.com services to learn more. I'd love to work with you.